Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When America is tested, we find strength from within and power through the challenges. But it takes reliable, affordable energy, and we've got a choice on how we get it. Import energy from unstable regions or produce natural gas and oil right here in America. Depend on foreign governments for our natural gas and oil or protect our energy independence. Keep American jobs and maintain global competitiveness. Solutions are made in America with America's natural gas and oil. Paid for by energy citizens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air when you need us. AAA It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, A dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. Two minutes after 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, and welcome back into the Extra Points Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Wes, Chris here with Preston and me in the Herndon Chevy Studios. As South Carolina is now 1-0 on the season, they beat Georgia State in the season opener 35-14 to special teams. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen many of the stories Monday morning, but I imagine lots of 
like special teams indeed, or like special teams are special. Lots of those kinds of headlines today, South Carolina. Uh, I believe the stat that I saw this weekend, the Gamecocks had not returned a blocked punt for a touchdown since 2000. They did it twice Saturday night. Also the first time that South Carolina has had multiple 50-plus yard field goals in a game. Not a bad way for Mitch Jeter to start his career as South Carolina's place kicker. And Hunter Rogers. I mean, in my opinion, quite an audition for running back. I mean, dropped the snap, picked the ball up, and then still decided to bowl over a Georgia State defender. Uh, was at Carolina's second drive, third drive, whenever it was that Carolina uh, called that fake field goal there. So plenty to talk about as far as special teams, a few other good, not much bad in my opinion, but a decent amount of ugly. Wes, Chris, overall thoughts on the game? Who's going first? You spoke first. You go first. Okay, I'm I'm gonna make a sandwich here real quick. We're gonna go positive, negative, positive, uh, right off the bat. A positive sub sandwich. Yes, there you go. Throw in a sponsor. <laughs> positive. You win an opening game against a pretty good opponent by three touchdowns. Um, you should never apologize for winning, no matter if it's ugly or not. You found a way. There was a moment in the second half where everybody in the stadium got a little bit nervous. Offense responded, looked the best they did all night in that moment, and then South Carolina sort of put the game away. The final quarter, it never really felt in doubt. Um, So that was good. Negative, some of the things, some of the questions we had going in, some of the worries I think a lot of South Carolina fans had are are just sort of like, oh, I'm kind of waiting to see on this. Uh, I thought reared their heads again. Uh, We'll go into those details, I'm sure. Final thought, um, Week one to week two, you now have a ton of self-scout data to go in and try to correct some of these issues and see what you can do against what is going to be a very tough test this weekend against Arkansas. I think in some ways the game played out kind of how we thought. Like There will be many games this year, I would imagine, probably the majority of them where I don't get the score prediction, maybe even close. That's a very difficult thing, you know. Um, but I think we were all fairly close in terms of what we thought the margin would be. And so I think in some ways the result was kind of what we expected, but they just got there differently. You know, I'm kind of kicking myself for not anticipating a bigger, you know, more special teams plays that were big. I didn't Mm. think they would have that many, right? (laughs) But maybe that being a bigger difference, you know, I think my final prediction was like 31-17 or something like that. So it ends up being fairly close <laughs> right. work that'll probably be a minority um this year but but i think look like west said like you said pearson i mean there are some things that we saw where they reared their ugly head but i think the fact that they won by three scores and there's still a lot of i don't know complaints maybe too strong of a word <laughs> i think that illustrates a couple things number one that does speak to expectations being raised when you win by three touchdowns and it's not good enough. But I think the bigger issue is there's kind of a lingering like PTSD from last year's offense. (laughs) And so the fact that the offensive output was not as good and that they got to their point margin on the strength, you know, of two special team scores that has people worried because they're going, okay, this is, yeah, it's the same offensive coordinator largely the same offensive staff but there's more weapons it's not georgia it's georgia state to open in week one we should have seen more out of the offense so i think the biggest question for south carolina going forward on that side of the ball is 
even though we saw some of the same as what we saw last year, mm-hmm. is this week one, do you chalk it up to like a week one, like aberration where they're going to improve markedly or is, are we going to see these issues throughout the year? I don't think we know yet. Okay. I like that. That's a fair week one interpretation. I think a lot of people are taking that approach today. I'm looking at this as game 14. And now 12 of 14 games where Marcus Satterfield has seemingly not had a game plan, like any specific idea of what he wanted to do. Uh, Heath Klein had an excellent observation after the game on Saturday. Let me see if I can find this now. Got to go back in the Twitter feed. I, uh, so the problem is I like tweets that I want to go back and reference, but then I end up liking so many tweets it's still hard for me to find them. Um, he said, some issues in a first game are expected, but South Carolina has failed to score in the first quarter. Score! Any points, including a safety or anything. In the first quarter of seven of the 14 games coached by the current offensive coordinator. They have a quarterback, appear to have a kicker, and clearly have some playmakers. The resources are there. Production must get better. The first quarter is a quarter of all football games. And when you're just not participating in those, it does make it hard to be good at football. Preston, you look like you're about to say something. I'm, I'm thinking. Okay. I'm thinking. <laughs> yes, I'm thinking of what that what that means. I generally don't pay attention to statistics until this after. Okay, fifty percent. So it's it's like yeah, okay, one out of two, whatever. I, I get that. So, but that is instructive because you've had opportunities to get the ball, and generally, offenses tend to be better in first quarters because they're going on a script. Everything is predicted. Everything's laid out, mm-hmm. and it usually plays out. So when you're not even scoring on this pre, uh, the predetermined plays, that might be a bigger factor of something to notice when you can't, you're not even executing the plays that are already scripted. Because generally most offenses... I'm going to say some offices usually have 10 to 15 plays scripted out or how they want it to be, and the other team shows up exactly how you showed up. And then after the second quarter is when you get to the adjustments, et cetera. So if you're not scoring on the scripted plays, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, and that's a really good point, and I feel like it's an, it's the opposite conversation. I don't remember if it was Roper or Brian McClendon, but one of Will Muschamp's offensive coordinators had a decent amount of success early in games, and then like once you were beyond the scripted part of the game, things kind of went off the rails, which is like, okay, this guy doesn't have the feel for the game necessarily. But I think those shortcomings early in games, to your point, if that's scripted, probably point to what you mentioned exactly earlier, just not having the right game plan. Like you're just attacking the game the wrong way. Carolina wanted to go side to side on a team that they should have gone downhill all day. I get it. Georgia State does some crazy things on the defensive line. I promise they're going to see crazy things with bigger and faster and stronger athletes for most of the rest of the season. So if you don't feel comfortable going north and south against Georgia State, I don't know when South Carolina thinks it's going to go north and south. Wes, you know, we were talking last week about, you know, Carolina getting the ball out on the perimeter, just throw it to Jaheim Bell quickly or whoever else out there. I threw up in my mouth every time Carolina did that Saturday night. I, I, I don't know why that was the game plan. I don't know if that is the offense moving forward, but I feel like South Carolina missed one of a, just a few opportunities that they will have this year to actually be better than somebody up front. I mean, based on what I saw, um, I don't know if I would have had much confidence hammering the ball at the middle Saturday either. I mean, not that they had much success out on the perimeter. I, I think I think that was the biggest maybe surprise for me as well was was a they they weren't really able to establish the run even as the game went on I, I thought there would kind of be I thought this was going to be the one of those games as I watched where we've all seen the seen those games where like you know you're kind of hammering to a brick wall 
in the first quarter, and then you see that two-yard run sort of becomes six, and then six becomes 13. I kind of thought it might sort of just uh, kind of chip away a little bit. Late in the game, when, when the game is kind of out of hand and South Carolina just wanted to run the ball and salt it away, didn't really feel like that was happening. And um, I was most surprised at, at the perimeter just blocking on the edge. I, I know Beamer brought that up as well. That is a huge emphasis within the program is being able to, uh, you know, sort of those in-space blocks and give your guys a chance. And um, I, I guarantee that that was a – when they watched the film on Sunday, that was a big – uh, I imagine just hang your head moment when they watch some of those because I, I think a lot a lot of those plays were there. Like um, Georgia State, it appeared the numbers were in Carolina's advantage on a lot of those quick throws to the outside. I think uh, when you have a guy like Rattler, I'm sure that's something he did a bunch of at Oklahoma State. He's got a quick release. Just take your easy yards out there. But um, the easy yards probably weren't as easy as they should have been, I felt like, on Saturday. Yeah, and you mentioned like, the game plan Pearson and up. So to push back a little bit on that, I think you do have a point that could, should South Carolina have adjusted somehow or just should they have been able to do what you wanted, which is, yeah, run the ball up the middle a little more. Yes, totally agree. And what I'm going to say here is not absolving the O-line by any means. Not good enough in pass protection, not good enough up the middle. bunch of times I saw, not a bunch, a few times I would see the interior lineman climbing to the next level and not block anybody, you know, get beat to the spot. The And, and obviously the O-line, when you can't run the football or there's issues with the quarterback being under pressure, again, we talked about this last week, everybody's going to go to the offensive line. The tight ends and receivers were, in my opinion, and I rewatched the game early this morning, just as bad, if not worse, on the perimeter. I mean, it, it really was. And and so from that standpoint, point I was making, the game plan, I didn't see things, especially earlier, I said, this doesn't make sense what they're doing. Because as Wes said, they had numbers. It made sense. The perimeter throws, the perimeter runs, they just got whipped. That hmm. they I mean, go back if you go back and watch it, they had guys and they just were getting beat to their spot. They're whiffing on blocks. And that was a huge issue. So now you can look at the other side of it and say adjust and do something different. Or yeah. You should be able to do this. But well, like, what here, they're here's doing my pushback to that. Here's why I feel feel like it made no sense. Because you're lining Jaheim Bell up at running back. You're lining Marshawn Lloyd up at wide receiver. You're going from the literal wishbone, which I did not know what that was. I have seen that so seldom in my life. I was like, what is that formation? You go from wishbone, and I'm pretty sure Carolina was empty more on Saturday than they were all of last year combined. There was no consistency in what they wanted to do. I 100% resoundingly rejected the notion that South Carolina failed to establish the run because they couldn't do it. They didn't try. That was the issue early last season. They South Carolina ran 69 plays Saturday, which of course is nice. Nice. At, at halftime, how many carries did Carolina's running backs have? 13. Eight. Whew. So don't tell me they couldn't run the ball. They didn't run the ball. Eight carries for South Carolina's running backs. What did their um what did those eight plays look like? I mean, we know in generally in yeah, general not. They were probably all zoned cuz Carolina only ran power in the second half and with Juju for some reason. Um they did run my favorite NCAA football play, which is the fake fullback dive halfback pitch. I love that play in NCAA football. So that was one of the eight. I don't remember the other seven. I haven't watched the game again yet. 
Eight carries. So for me, in this whole conversation, I think the question that I would ask Marcus Satterfield or Shane Beamer or whoever could answer the question is, if your game plan was to attack the perimeter and take some deep shots, why was that your game plan? Was it because you don't feel like you're good enough running the ball, A, or B, because you think Georgia State was better than you up front? Those are the only reasons why you would try and attempt a game plan like that. Now, they've been with this team all preseason. Maybe they just know that we can't run the ball very well, and this Mm. is how we're going to win. That's a possibility. So my question would be, and I would hope somebody would ask this question, why did you approach this particular game with this game plan? Yeah. If you don't feel good about your pass protection, I understand why you want to get the ball out quickly. Why are you empty so much? Why aren't you leaving a running back in to help you protect? Why aren't you leaving a tight end in there to help you protect? Why aren't you running more play action to try to... I don't know if they ran play action on Saturday night. I can't remember one. They did. They ran play action the first play of the game. Okay. And that, um, was, that was probably their biggest... One of their biggest passing plays. That was that little Texas route to Marshawn. Yeah, and they ran it. Same drive uh, to Anton Wells. Okay. Faked the counter and uh, did like a little bootleg. Okay. Um, so it so sounds like the play action plays. Today. Remember it's all... <laughs> the, yeah, I, was I, the, I the, just watched that drive, actually. The, the, like, the play actions that you're talking about are successful. Ago. South Carolina gets away from that. They're empty. They're not having extra blockers. They're not doing anything to slow down the defense. Well, when they're empty, they're they're throwing the little quick screens. I don't think they're going empty a ton and just dropping back. Yeah, and, and it was just weird. I mean, it's like, hey, what are you most worried about? Pass protection. Let's be empty a ton. Let's not run the football. Let's not run play action throughout the game. You listed a couple there early, which is great. And again, sounds like successful plays that Carolina ran off of that when they gave Georgia State something else to worry about. It, it just it felt very grab bag to me. Here's Wishbone. Here's Empty. Marshawn Lloyd's a wide receiver. I, he scored on that play. I will always come back to Hayden Hurst taking that jet sweep a couple of years ago. It's not a good play, even though it worked. I think it was a really good play. <laughs> I, I, what, the Hayden Hurst jet sweep? You, you can't say they didn't have a good game plan on on certain aspects, and then when they scheme up a play that worked, because it completely confused Georgia State. The, they motioned out. Georgia State played the wrong. They were in a coverage and blew and blew the coverage. Mm-hmm. That's a good play. If you scheme up something and make a team blow a coverage, that's a good play. That's my point. That's my okay. biggest point is that we said that they made calls and that they had numbers. And I think my point is that we should at this point not be worried about having numbers against a team like Georgia State. That's a good point. It should be one one on one. I'm better than you. I block you. It doesn't matter what the numbers are. Now, next yeah. week, we're going to need to have some numbers and make plays. Week yeah. after that, et cetera. But to be trying to get to the numbers point yes. at this game, that's not a great sign. Even if we're giving Georgia State the most benefit of the doubt, which I didn't leave Saturday night feeling particularly impressed, but let's say they go win the Sun Belt this year, and they're the best team in the Sun Belt, one of the best group of five teams out there. They're not as good as Arkansas. They're not as good as Georgia. They're not as good as Texas A&M. They're not as good as Clemson. They're not as good as Florida. They're not as good as Tennessee. They might, you know, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Georgia State, toss-ups, in my opinion. So to Preston's point, if you can't go out there and do what you want to do offensively against Georgia State, if you're looking for numbers and you can't beat them, I think that is an omen for the rest of the season. 803-404-6100. Want to hear from you guys? Text line, Love Chevy phone line, however you want to be a part of the show and get us on Twitter as well. At GC Chris Clark, at Coach P Tweets, at Wes Mitchell GC, at Pearson Fowler. We will continue to unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly. I do want to talk about Nick Emmon Worry, like one of my favorite individual performance, like 
Wes and Chris, y'all have been telling us, the coaches and the players have been telling us, he got an opportunity and he made some plays early. So Book it. Preston saying All freshman book it. SEC, book it. All freshman SEC for Nick Amemori. There was some good. We'll talk about the good. We'll continue to talk about the bad and the ugly. Plenty more to unpack of South Carolina, Georgia State next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 1124, Monday morning. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Wes, Preston, Chris Pearson here with you in the Herd and Chevy Studios talking Carolina, Georgia State. So much good football to watch this weekend. We were just talking about the Georgia game, which was only worth watching for like 90 seconds, but was unbelievably impressive. Um, we'll have more time to talk about the rest of the weekend. I think tomorrow it's been pretty Carolina heavy today. A lot of people interested in the Gamecocks and, uh, and Georgia State. So we'll, we'll stick with that, but it was a really fun fun week one. I don't remember a week one, actually, that was this loaded with good games. feels like it's normally a little light on good games. There were a ton this weekend. Really quick, what was everybody's best game of the weekend? I like North Carolina App State, just pure that, entertainment. That, that's what I was about to say. I, I didn't really get to watch the late games, but I was I was dialed in on App and UNC. I, want, I wanted App to win so bad, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that, and they had... They had two shots had at it at the of, end. Yeah, NC State ECU is a good game. Yes, low key. that was my that was my game. Though. I, mm-hmm. I watched a significant portion of that one, and I realized I'm getting so soft in my old age because immediately I just fell for the kicker. I felt so bad for him, man. And yeah. the, that that was not a thing that I've experienced earlier in my life. But I just was like, I just wanted to hug that kid. Man. I, I had the same thought. And I was putting myself in his helmet in that moment when he had to go back after missing the PAT and kick it. And I'm like, in the next five seconds, he is either going to create the worst night of his life or he's going to have the best night of his life when he gets back to campus. And he missed it. He, he missed it. That was tough. It's rough. Yeah. Ooh. Well, not a good look for NC State. He's supposed to be challenging for the ACC this year, right? Maybe that was but, maybe more so ECU. I know that's obviously, you know, it's a tough place to play, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But you're right. They probably shouldn't be super excited about that. I and mean, they turned it over two times inside of the five-yard line with chances to put that one away. Turnover on downs and then a fumble there. Or I guess fumble and then turnover on downs. Either way, really fun weekend. Don't schedule opening games at ECU or app is the moral of this story. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, good showing all around from the Sun Belt this weekend. Solid conference. Good teams. Not as good as Arkansas, Georgia, Clemson, Tennessee, Florida, Texas A&M. Most of the other teams that Carolina's playing. That Florida game, too. So, here's something I was just thinking about. Is there a segment, and Pearson, maybe you're in this camp. (laughs) I'm not putting words in your mouth. I feel like we've got a little bit of after week one, and I don't know the answer. I really don't. I feel like we got a little bit after week one of of kind of this is what South Carolina is. I don't know if we should say that on offense. And and again, I think it's because, and you keep saying it's game 14. Yes. I don't really think so. Okay. Is that why? Yes. Okay. Because there's a 14-game sample size, and there have been two games where I would consider the offense to have been functional. Um, and one of those is a bowl game that means nothing. Bowl game and, well, the bowl game means Bowl game and the Florida game. Yeah. And so both, you could say, extenuating circumstances. Florida in the process of a literal mutiny 
and the bowl game just means nothing. Um, Shane Beamer was able to parlay the success in the bowl game into a productive offseason in the transfer portal and in beginning to put together the class of 2023. But there was nothing from the bowl game that was translatable to the football field in 2022, is my opinion. So it's 12 games of, like, what in the world is going on here? One game of a mutiny, and the offense did look good in that game, and they controlled the line of scrimmage. And one game against the North Carolina team. Let's also come back to that. Uh, North Carolina team that just gave up 61, right, to Appalachian State. If we're talking about if, if we are That's relating rough. if we're relating the bowl game to anything, how about North Carolina gave a bunch of points to Carolina and then they gave up even more to Appalachian State in a game that actually mattered as the season opener? Shout out to Gene Chizik, who is obviously the luckiest man in in, a, in college football because somehow he got gifted Cam Newton and then magically ended up in studio and now he's just the defensive coordinator of a <laughs> like Gene Chizik is gonna always find a way. It seems yeah. Like. I think we need to see more before. I I understand last season. We talked about last season, all season. It was a long year. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's the same offensive coordinator. So, you know, your text line's about to light up with a, I'm an apologist. (laughs) But I've sat here. I just wrote something this morning with a lot of words on why the offense was not very good in this game. Mm -hmm. And I've said it here. But I I just don't think there's too many differences this year. Okay. I just don't know yet. I mean, there are examples, and people are going to say, Chris, this is a stupid example. That's Steve Spurrier. But, like, the 2012 South Carolina team, their very first game, that, that was the best team in school history. Mm-hmm. They beat Vanderbilt 17-13. to 13. They were down in the fourth quarter to Vanderbilt yeah. and Jordan Rodgers. Scored 17 points. They played Wofford later in the year, and I beat, they beat Wofford 24-7, to 7, and one of those was a defensive score. That's against Wofford. Yeah. It's like Wes and I playing defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Wasn't know. Connor shot hurt for that Wofford game at least, though? Or was that the next year? I think uh, I think Connor played in that game. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that team was loaded. That's so true. Now, I'm not saying, oh, well, Chris says this team's as good as 2012 or that Marcus Satterfield is Steve Spurrier. I didn't say that. Yeah. I just said when you take a one-game sample, I don't know – in the opener, yeah, I don't know that we can say this is the team's identity for sure. It's yeah. definitely the same as last year. It's not. I would I would say that's fair as as a cautionary tale. Yeah, if the At offense least. had failed in different ways than they failed last year, I would be I, I would be leaving more room for improvement in my head. If if the offense failed because I don't know, Marshawn fumbled because you know Spencer missed some passes uncharacteristically. Like he I don't did. know. I, there's not really a good scenario where the offense fails, but. The offense failed because Marcus Satterfield had a bag of Scrabble tiles, each one with a different play on it, and he pulled this out, and he goes, oh, wishbone. Oh, Marshawn Lloyd's playing wide receiver, and we're going five wide. Hey, let's not give the ball to running backs. Like, Why why do you keep going back to the wishbone thing? I feel like... Because that was stupid. That was so stupid. That was was so stupid. It was a... What was that, the third one or the fourth? It was a short yardage formation. They ran it a couple of times. All on short yardage. It wasn't like they pulled it out on first and ten and were like, we're going triple option, wishbone, <laughs> okay. throw, you know, a random guy at quarterback and run around. Yeah. Not- and and Marshawn Lloyd was not playing receiver. He was he was motioned out to the perimeter, which is something you see teams do with their running backs all the time okay. in modern football. It was a lot. It was and a- it forces the defense to choose is my cornerback gonna go out there and then I in theory, have a mismatch 
with the receiver who was the outermost receiver mm-hmm. playing either a nickel or a safety or a linebacker, or it forces the team that they're playing man to run their linebacker all the way out there out of the box. Like sure. I don't, I don't think it's fair or no, again, even accurate to say. Marcus Satterfield, it's okay. Let me let me not do Scrabble. Let me not do Scrabble tiles. It's like chopped. It's like all right, you have to run an offense with your tight end playing running back, and you're not allowed to run the football. And your offensive line's good at blocking power, so you're not allowed to run that. And here's some Cheerios. <laughs> I thought you wanted Jaheim Bell to carry the ball. No, I said if he has as many carries as Marcus Lattimore is predicting, that was a horrible outcome. No, he carried the ball seven times. I, yeah. I don't think that. I mean, that's, that's 91 focusing, carries over 13 I think you're games. Focusing on the for, the, wrong, for the highest average on the team, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you're focusing on the wrong things. You're talking about motioning Marshawn Lloyd out at receiver on, on plays that worked. But the first play of the game was a 15-yard reception. Out of what the backfield, it, though. Wasn't that I, a little Texas route? It, it was out of the backfield. Yeah, it was yeah. out of the backfield, but I mean. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's, he that's, he you came can out. out of the and, well, that's fine. And I know he's one of their touchdown touch, the one, but. I, we're focusing on the wrong thing. No, no, no. We're focusing on process, not results. But yeah, the I, process of motioning your running back into an empty set is pretty standard in today's college football. I feel like, like that's not reinventing the wheel. Like no, that's no, no, it's not. That's not over. I feel like that's not overthinking. Like, that's something everybody does. Like I, I feel like your argument is that you had some of the same, many of the same issues you had last year. Like, I feel like that's your valid argument, the fact mm-hmm. you could not run the football uh, against this and team. And you refused to block um, You passed the ball not, 37 times, you ran it 32, and your biggest problem is pass protection. Yeah, and I, and I, I my biggest issue with the offensive line, and again, I know, I know the argument is not all the offensive line, it isn't, is the running game. And I, and I, couldn't tell you what the issue why it is i just know that it was not good enough i thought the pass pro some of the issues there were more about not recognizing when you were being overloaded or there was a blitz from you know the cornerback that was on your backside that wasn't seen like i didn't think the pass pro was just like straight up bad i thought there were several plays where there was time to get the football out but then i thought there were others where it was more the process of not recognizing what was happening Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to just straight up getting whipped. Yeah. Um, so can I come back to my suggestion that the reason the running game didn't work is because you ran it eight times in the first half with your running backs? I mean, you can come back to that if you Like, want. how productive <laughs> are you supposed to be when you have eight carries? Let me ask you this. What does this team want to do offensively? They They want to be a balanced team that uses play action, throws the ball down the field, and but they didn't use much play action. They didn't throw it down the field. So they want to be the only the, the the downfield passes were on a busted play, a scramble. Spencer rolling out to his right, throwing a beautiful pla- uh, pass to Jalen Brooks. He made a really nice catch on the sideline. What other passes did they throw down? the Did Jaheim Bell catch a pass past the line of scrimmage? Or were all four of his receptions bubble screens? I don't recall. They, they tried, you know. They threw a couple balls down the field. I I feel like your argument is as grab baggy as you say Satterfield's offense was. <laughs> well, it's You're hard. To, picking... It's hard. It's hard to know where to start. There, there is nothing that. What does Arkansas think Carolina is going to do on Saturday? I I, I don't. Yeah, There's I'm not. I'm not start. sure what you're asking. Well. <laughs> 
What is this team? What we do don't they know, want to do? What are they trying to do? Huh? We don't know yet. Okay. We don't know yet. I'll say this. Balance is for cowards. <laughs> if you're an offensive coach and you first thing you say is we want to be balanced, you're a coward. You should, you should either want to run the ball or throw the ball. You have a preference of what you want to do. And when you say that you're balanced, to me that sounds like you don't know what you want to do. Or you're not good at anything. Or you're not good. Yeah, I can, I can take that too. But usually when teams talk about having an identity, it usually flows on one thing or another. So even defensively, some teams might say, man, we're a man. We're, we're like the Clayton White runs a lot of man-to-man coverage. That's his identity as a defensive coordinator. If you say we're just going to be balanced, then all right, that's fine. But you're probably not good at any other any of those balanced things that you do. Eight zero three four zero four sixty one hundred. A few more of your thoughts in the text line and the Love Chevy phone line. Get all of us on Twitter at Pearson Fowler at Coach P tweets at West Mitchell GC at GC Chris Clark. This is good. This is what Game One is for. A little bit of overreaction. Try to figure out where this team actually resides. Uh, we gathered some information this weekend, and we'd love to hear the full scope of opinion. So y'all let us know. 803-404-6100. What was your takeaway? A lot of concern. Not too worried about it. It's just game one. Somewhere in between. Love to hear from you guys. Love Chevy phone line. Text line. However you will be a part of the show. And the Gamecock Central Hour continues after this. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.40 Monday morning. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Wes, Chris, Preston, Pearson here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios. Uh, One of the awesome sponsors of what Gamecock Central does here. Uh, the great folks at Integrated Media who are just essential to call if you're a sports fan or really an anything fan this time of year. Hey, man, I've been warning people all off season. First away game is this Saturday at noon. If you're not going to the game, I think Chris is going to the game, but if you're not going to the game, you better get on it now. Get over to Integrated Media. I bet you if you get with them very, very soon, they can get you hooked up with your new TV by Saturday maybe some surround sound, integratedmediainc.com. Chris, you want to give them the phone number? I know you got it memorized. I do. It's etched into my memory, 803-948-8327, or, of course, online, integratedmediainc.com. Yep, they'll they'll come hang your TV and uh, get your surround sound going. It's going to be a good Saturday of football. I'm an away game fan. Like, I, I I like sitting around and watching every single game on TV and watching the Gamecocks. And it's the 12 o'clock? Nooner. Oh, man. Perfect. Couldn't ask for better. That is prime. Only problem this weekend is that uh, my daughter has a soccer game at 1215. Okay. Normally, that'd be like, Kat, can you can you take her? Except I'm the coach. I can't get out of it. So oh, I'm, I'm going to have to, like, shut Twitter off and then start late and then hopefully get caught up by halftime. So y'all can't text me. <laughs> until the second half. <laughs> I'll um, just be texting you, ooh, ah. Oh, did you see that? I'll, I'll say, I just sent you several emojis throughout, throughout the time. Yeah. The Th- same thing happened last year. Uh, I guess it was during the Tennessee game. The same thing. We were at a soccer game, and it was that exactly. Like a friend of mine was just texting me like, what was that? And then it was like an hour later that I saw the, uh, the little halfback pass. <laughs> we're going to send him, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, now I'm going to get a lot of this. Um, all right, James, 803-404-6100. James wants to talk about the game on the Love Chevy phone line. What's up, James? Hey, how y'all doing? Good, how are you? What's up, James? Doing well, man. First, first of all, you all correct, man. He just 
it's just like he just got dice out there. He just picking which dice he want to play at one time. First of all, he just needs to stay off of social media and stuff, listen to the hype about how much weapons he got and on offense and how many different playmakers he got. Man, pick an offense and let's run an offense. Marshawn Lowe was at a different level Saturday. He was at a different speed than everybody on that field. And like you said, the first half we give him two, two or three carries, that, that's not going to work when we get in the SEC play. It'll work against Georgia State. We, we can get out of it with our special team play because we're going to have a top special team in the nation probably. But when we get down to SEC play, that your best running back carrying the ball two times in one half and you flanking them out and now you're going to the wishbone this player and you finally get Brooks to make some catches, then you don't feed him. So he just needs to find out what offense we're going to run, stick to the offense, live or die by whatever that offense is. That's what our defensive coordinator is doing. He said he's a man coverage, um, man coverage coordinator. He runs man coverage. You get beat. You got to line up the next play and get beat again, or then you get better. That's all I got to say, man. I'll, I'll hang up and listen to y'all. James, you're my favorite person that I've talked to today. Amazing. You're exactly right. And we haven't spent enough time talking about how Marshawn Lloyd looks like a completely different player. I, f- I feel like a little bit vindicated in my like insane off-season optimism for Lloyd. And I know he only had like 30 rushing yards or whatever. He broke three tackles on every single play. Every time he touched the ball, he broke three tackles. Yeah, 33 looked, broken tackles on Saturday. Unofficial cap. Uh, <laughs> he looked, he looked like the most talented player on the field. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he did just look – James had a great point. He, he looked different on another level. I mean, the first touchdown, he gets it with plenty of space because, again, Georgia State did blow a coverage. But, I mean, the ease – he just kind of, like, politely declined the option of the guy trying to tackle him. No, thank you. Like, just kind of juked him just easily. You think about the fourth and one, South Carolina messed up again perimeter blocking on mm-hmm. a fourth down run, but Marshawn was, you know, stiff on well, a couple guys. Well, the play before that that wasn't an official play because there was the face mask, he literally, like, shook three different blockers. There was yeah. another short yardage play. That's the one I'm thinking of. Going the other yep. way, yeah. Yep. And, you know, the, the other touchdown, the NCAA play, I mean, he beats the guy to the pylon, mm-hmm. the hurdle. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, the I was talking to, I was sitting with Drew at the game, and, uh, like, the problem with the hurdle is that he jumped too high, and he couldn't get down fast enough to, like, beat the next guy. He was just in the air for, oh, man. I, I was most impressed with how physical he ran, too. Like, I, I think I knew, we knew the quickness was there. We knew in high school is a guy that could, like, make people miss. But um, I was impressed with just how hard he ran, uh, breaking tackles, like, from a power standpoint as well. And, um, you know, it's it's one thing to, like, maybe say and even sometimes I think guys have to try to convince themselves oh no I'm not thinking about the injury anymore like I it's not a factor it's not a fact I thought we saw a guy who like some of the moves he was even attempting to make Mm -hmm. are not moves you make if you have any lingering questions about your health or your knee or anything like that so that that was a fantastic sign for me if they can just here's here's the thing about the offense if you that lots of valid criticism today. I also feel like there were some things here or there, like little things, that it's a completely different game mm-hmm. offensively if you can clean some things up. I thought the passing game, not to say anything else about the running game, but the passing game, there was some time, you know, the PI on Stogner that would have um, extended a drive, he didn't have to extend his hands. He could have just sort of, 
made incidental contact and turned around and gotten the first down. Um, a drop by Josh Van that is uncharacteristic yep. and a freaking dime from Spencer on that play on third and long. Um, like there were some things here or there where I, I thought they could have extended drives that maybe, like I, I feel like there's kind of a snowball effect both ways. When you're struggling to run the football, you kind of, you know, you get down a little bit. You, it's hard to get a rhythm. If you start making some first downs, then an offense sort of can find a rhythm and then kind of build from there. And I, I felt like they just didn't quite find that rhythm, but they were like a hair off here or there. If, if you want a little bit of maybe, hey, maybe it wasn't that bad. It was to me, look at number seven and the fact he's going to give you a chance to go make some plays. And we were just talking about that in, uh, you know, during the break. Like he is as advertised. And I didn't, I think he's going to watch the film and say, man, I missed this, this, and this. But he still threw for 230 yards and, mm-hmm. and really was the offense for, yeah. for most of the game, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I said it earlier during the earlier hour, but I came away with all of the things that Spencer didn't let happen is how good he actually was. But to build on your point, Wes, and this is where we kind of talk about what the offense is and what it isn't, good to great offenses don't find rhythm. They create rhythm. Mm-hmm. They dictate matchups. And so if they're just continuously going to be waiting to hoping to find a rhythm, find you know, that's not going to work. The way you create rhythm is by being able to run the ball effectively on first down, win first down, all the cliches that you hear. And when you don't do that, then you're not going to get into a rhythm. Yes, it is tougher to call plays when you are calling on third and nine or third and behind the sticks, but that's that's your doing also. So, yeah, you still have to be able to create success. And going back to what earlier caller James said, yeah, pick something, figure it out. That way we can at least have a variable. We can know what works, what doesn't work, and we can work around that. It's still, to me, right now, it feels like there's no control group. If we're doing an experiment, mm-hmm. we don't know where we're the baseline of what we're starting with. Yeah. So we don't know how to make the adjustments off of what that is. Marshawn Lloyd should have at least 20 carries in the next 11 games. I'd be sad if if, if we went to, and it's hard to keep jumping ahead, but in the next game, if Marshawn Lloyd had 20 carries for 50 yards and we just decided we just can't run the ball, I personally would be okay with that because mm-hmm. now we can move on to the next thing but until that we exhaust those possibilities i don't i don't know how you make those adjustments well maybe excluding maybe including spencer rattler but i mean james said it marshawn looked like the best player he looked better than josh better than jaheem better better than everybody except maybe spencer and maybe including spencer maybe i think even maybe including spencer even good running backs and good runs it's like you either make a guy miss or you break a tackle and then like here's contact marshawn wants to beat all 11 guys on the defense and score on every single play. It's not like I beat this guy, contact and fall forward. It's like, no, beat this guy and beat this guy. And beat. You've, I mean, you identified like the focus and the intensity that he has, and you see that manifesting itself. It's like it's, it's like watching him go Super Saiyan like in the middle of every single run where it's like, He looked like someone who was excited to be yeah. back. Yeah. You just didn't see him running like that last year. He looked like someone who was very very happy to be executing the you know his his god given skills it was it was kind of awesome to watch yeah. and i hope he gets more opportunities who's happier him or me <laughs> well ty you've been vindicated so you should be pretty happy I, about that i'm i'm picturing marshawn's brain like he's making this guy miss but it's already like computer has like dialed in on the safety who's on the other side of the, mm-hmm. the field and um he's like 
three steps ahead. Like, if I make this move here, I'm going to beat this guy, but it's not going to put me in a good spot for that guy. So it's like he's just thinking eight steps ahead because he, like Pearson said, Pearson, you are you're very happy. I'm I'm, I'm so happy. I'm glad he's to beaming. see you happy, man. Um, he has a glow. Can we talk about the defense for, like, yeah. couple minutes. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the defense. we got to hit a quick break, 803-404-6100. Any other final thoughts that you have for today on South Carolina, Georgia State, let us know in the text line or the Love Chevy phone line. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell on the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. All right, just a couple minutes left here in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you, wrapping up thoughts on a reaction Monday. South Carolina beating Georgia State 35-14, 13 points on offense, all the rest. Uh, good job, Pete Limbo, who should get a raise. He should have already gotten a raise, honestly, if he hasn't. I don't know what's going on over there in that building. Uh, but before we get out of here, 14 points, 311 total yards for Georgia State. Wes, how did you evaluate the overall defensive performance for South Carolina Saturday? I actually thought there were a lot of encouraging signs on the defense. I know if you look at the rushing numbers allowed, you know, you're still maybe slightly concerned. I thought there were a couple of chunk plays, uh, you know, obviously one early on, then one later after the game was kind of, for the most part, getting out of hand. But I, I thought that stretch where, I don't know, it was like six, seven drives where it was a three and out maybe like it was just they were shut down for a huge stretch and obviously those those long runs like those plays count but as we're talking more like big picture um what what can we take from this game as far as going on to the next game I thought we saw a lot more just good plays where all 11 guys were kind of doing their job it didn't feel like those games last year where Carolina was just getting gashed against the run and it was like seven here 12 there 14 here for the most part they settled in I think we got to remember like we're high on a lot of these guys on defense but you're still replacing two guys on your defensive front you're still replacing uh one of your linebackers and I, I think they've you know I feel like Mo Kaba could be like an upgrade at linebacker but this is still the first game a lot of those guys were playing up front together all um you know in their particular roles they're in now so I, I was pretty encouraged, actually, on the defensive side. Well, and, and speaking of first games, was was that actually Nick and Memori's first college game, or has he been playing four years somewhere else and just transferred in? <laughs> Some guys just got it. Yeah. Shout out to Irmo, man. Shout out to Irmo High School. My guys out there, they did a great job coaching. I think uh, Shane had mentioned how coached up he was, but besides the just the look, he looked <laughs> as if he belonged out there for sure. Yeah, I mean – R.J. Roderick goes down on that first drive, and I think it's, I don't know if it's the very first play after that, but I think two plays later, they've got the fourth and one, and mm-hmm. here's Nick Emanwari. You make it a big play. Ended up playing the second most snaps on the entire defense wow. in your very first game. So probably would not be a surprise if he's a starter by season's end. He's going to play a big role in the team. What about by Saturday? <laughs> well, at, that, at this rate. Well, at this rate. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all things being equal even. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. How about, uh, real quick, Kawan Banks goes in, Darius Rush gets hurt, they do the thing coaches do, oh, we're going to pick on the guy when he comes in, they go right at him, he gets a pass breakup on his first college snap, 
as a player. That was uh, that was pretty cool to see too. Some good moments. Fourteen points and three hundred yards allowed is you know never a bad way to start the season. Still, maybe some questions about has South Carolina fixed the running game? We know Georgia State likes to run. They were a very good running team last year. It was few fewer than their yards per game average. They're like two twenty five. They got two hundred this game. Right at the same yards per rush at five. Um, we will get a very good sense for the improvements that South Carolina has or has not made next week against an Arkansas team that was number one in the SEC in rushing, who looked really good against Cincinnati running the football, who even has that running back in Rocket Sanders who's wearing number five, shades of Derek McFadden. Um, Could never. Yeah, oh, man. I don't care how good he is. He would never be that. Five. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Former but, Gamecock but target. still fairly terrifying. Um, in any case, we'll have more, more time later in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to start to talk about Arkansas, but a little more on, on this game tomorrow. Plus, we'll actually have a chance to zoom out and talk about some of the games from elsewhere around the conference and around the country. But that is all we have time for. Thank you all so much for being part of a fun reaction Monday here on 107.5 The Game, and the Halftime Show is coming up next. It could be information to change your life forever. Or the Something You Should Know podcast could just be something interesting. I'm talking with Brian Hare, author of the book Survival of the Friendliest. Because our minds are built for friendliness, we survived and those other species went extinct. We met hundreds of individuals that we could learn from and cooperate with. Friendliness leads to cooperation, which leads to innovation, which leads to civilization. If only I could say it so concisely. Yeah. Join Mike Carruthers and guests for Something You Should Know. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.